Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. This is the bonus podcast, and we're going to talk about a topic we rarely discuss, but let me tell you, there are thousands of people probably listening now to whom this is a very important subject, and the subject is suicide. And my friend Jonathan Noyes from Stand to Reason is here with me, and we're here at the Evangelical Theological Society out here in Denver, and I was talking to uh, Greg Kokel, who works with Jonathan, and Greg was telling me, Jonathan, that you just got through with a reality conference, and that's a reality conference that, he, that um, Stand to Reason does. And yep. You do a talk on suicide there that attracted so much attention that you couldn't take a break. Tell, oh us, tell us about that. What, what, yeah, so this is actually this talk I've been doing now for four years mm-hmm. at these reality conferences and at churches. I'm the only one who doesn't rotate my talk out. So the other guys, they'll offer a different talk next year, for example. Mm-hmm. Mine's been consistent, and every year, in almost every location, the room is packed. This year in Minneapolis, we had 3,800 students uh, at the conference. My first breakout session was at 11. Uh, my talk was an hour long. I skipped uh, lunch, talked with kids right through break, r- right up until I had to go back on for my, I think it was a two o'clock breakout, and then um, talked until with students, counseling them until the end, and everything was done for another probably three hours after it. So uh, from 11 to, gosh, the conference, probably about six o'clock is just nonstop work. Most of it questions from young people, right? I mean, these were mostly young people at the reality conference. For those of you who don't know, Stand to Reason does several reality conferences each year. They have many speakers. Jonathan is one of them. Years ago, I've I've been at the reality conference. You have people like Jay Warner Wallace. Uh, You have sometimes Elisa Childers. You have Mary Jo Sharp. Sean McDowell. Sean McDowell. You have, of course, Greg Kokel and 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 Alan Schleeman and... and, uh, Tim Barnett and yourself, yeah. uh, Amy Hall, probably. Always, yep. yep. Uh, so how did this topic, suicide, become important to you, Jonathan? Yeah, great question. You know, um, it's not something I got into apologetics for, mm-hmm. you know, and we were at a conference, one of these reality conferences in Dallas. I was the new guy on the team, low guy on the totem pole, uh, a couple years back, now four years back, and the pastor of the church that we were at had a passion for suicide. He had a history within his family. Something happened, he wasn't able to give the talk. And we're like, no big deal, it's on suicide. It was a small breakout. This is probably John Mark Catan, That's right, right. Uh, at, um, yeah. at Cottonwood Creek. Yes, in, great in, guy. I've uh, had Texas. him on the program. He is a solid guy. His brother, solid. brother committed suicide. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. And uh, so he wasn't able to do the talk, yeah. and we were thinking, not a big deal. We'll just have somebody kind of fill in. And we had somebody fill in, and the room was overflowing with people. So we're like, okay, something's going on. And then they kind of floated the idea. Is anybody interested in doing, doing a talk on suicide? I raised my hand. I'd love to. Anything. You know, I just want to get in the game. 
And um, in the backgrounds, you know, my, my cousin in 2011 shot himself and killed himself while I was prepping this talk. Uh, my first, one of my first roommates in California, as I moved from Washington, D.C. to California, uh, he hung himself in his, in his house, uh, leaving behind a, a beautiful wife and a, a, I think a four-year-old little boy. Mm. Um, it, this thing is, suicide is one of those things that we all have experience with in one way or another. We all know somebody who's died by suicide. We all know a family that's been affected by it. We all have maybe been affected by it ourselves personally. Um, and the, it, it, it's unreal, the, the stories that you hear and the amount of hurt that's out there. I just saw an article yesterday, the uh, college or the university called North Carolina State, not far from we live, uh, we live in Charlotte, that's actually in Raleigh. It's just an article yesterday, I think, that pointed out that they've had four suicides yeah. this semester at NC State. Unreal. So it used to be uh, the CDC, all the numbers that I have in my mind right now are from the CDC, uh, 12%, about 12, I think the statistic used to be 12.3% of college-age students would wrestle with ideas of suicide. When I say that, that means that they had a, a plan, when, where, and how. So it's not just like the typical, you or I might say, oh, I wonder if people come to my funeral or mm. something like this. They, they, know, they, they want to escape. They just, uh, the CDC did a study, now probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit less, 25.5% of U.S. college-age students are wrestling with thoughts of suicide. It's the number two cause of death for ages 10, Frank, 10, 10 years old. My oldest daughter is 12. Mm. I couldn't picture that. Mm. 10 to 34, number two cause of number death. Number two in this cause case. of death. 800,000 per year. You look at that, ladies and gentlemen, you think about we're supposed to be the land of opportunity, the land where we have everything we want, and yet <laughs> we're one of the world leaders in suicide. I guess what we think is the American dream doesn't make people happy or content, does it? Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because... That's like, that's, I think, where we go for answers oftentimes is uh, materialism, not the philosophical concept, mm -hmm. but the, the uh, you know, uh, money, sex, power, education right, right, stuff. Right. And what we've seen, in my opinion, is as the Judeo-Christian influences, the worldview behind the Judeo-Christian influences has waned in the culture, uh, a transcendent hope has completely disappeared. So we're placing our hope in these things that... Uh, go away, ultimately. Mm. So we turn to ourselves, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, so to speak. This is the American dream, right? Mm -hmm. Come to the land of opportunity. Mm -hmm. You can build the life that you want and, and experience whatever success. And this in and of itself is good. But when we place our life's hope, our ultimate hope in that, what happens when that fails? Because I don't know about you, but I fail at mm -hmm. stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to turn inward, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, and the cycle just continues over and over and over again. And then you get caught in despair. And we've actually seen this played out, Frank, as we just survey, survey recent news articles about celebrities and athletes who die by suicide. You know, um, uh, the, the, the Judd, uh, one of the Judd sisters, yeah, she right. just died. Or the mom, actually. The mom, the yes, mom. the mom yeah, died yeah. by suicide. Right. Uh, you, you, have, um, you have people like Kurt Cobain. Uh -huh. You know, you have, uh, you have um, Kelly Catlin. She was a U.S. Olympian, 18 years old, hmm. trained her entire life as a cyclist, goes, wins gold, goes home, and kills herself. You know, um, we see this, I mean, all the time. There was just recently, I can't remember off the top of my mind her name, a supermodel. Uh, a super oh, the lady that jumped off the building in, in New, New York. York. Yeah. Yeah. You know, reaching the pinnacle of success. Um, we have, we have designers. I mean, you see, um, Kate Spade, Kate Spade. Yeah. I mean, if you know what it takes to make it in the design and fashion mm -hmm. world, I mean, that is a grind 30 year grind working, 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 
you get to the top, you're, you're, you're where you're supposed to experience the ultimate. There's nothing there. And there's yeah. nothing. Well, there's all there is is more work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, more effort, more of you, right? right. Which isn't what, what we need. Right. So. Who, who else was the, uh, was he the, the traveler, Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, man, yeah. he was largely considered to have the best job uh-huh. on the planet. This guy was the original celebrity chef. If you guys don't know who he, right, uh, he yeah. was, he traveled around uh, after grinding, right? He made a successful career as a chef, which isn't easy in and of itself. After that, uh, traveled around eating at the world's best restaurants, staying in the finest hotels. And then he killed himself in a French boutique, you know, same, same type of thing. And if you watch his story, there's a great uh, Netflix documentary. I think it's on Netflix on him. His friends and his ex-wife start to explain like there were, there's all of a sudden this despair set in and, um, and he, the, where he was going for hope, uh, there was nothing. But it's important to note, it's not just the materialist or the atheist no, or the non-believer not. who wrestles. Yeah, no, uh, my suicide. friend Mike Adams a couple of years ago committed suicide. And the point is, is that everybody has their breaking point. Yeah. And you don't know what that is. And sometimes they don't know what right. that is. Mike, uh, so I knew Mike. Yeah. Mike, m- most people don't know this. I, was dro- I had Mike in town speaking at an event that I was doing at my church. Uh-huh. We were sitting in my uh, Chevy Suburban. I drive an old Chevy Suburban outside his hotel. And I'm telling him how I'm prepping this talk on suicide. Yeah. I'm like, I, to be honest with you, I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. It was hard emotionally, spiritually. Um, not really where I'm, I, want, I thought I was gifted. And Mike, Mike was telling me, you have to do this. You have to do this. And then he says, you not only do we have to do this, you have to get this up to Summit, where, he, where Mike was right. a fixture. Yeah. And so Mike was a major motivation. Uh, for, for me to create this talk. And then when I caught, when I caught winds that day that, that he had died by suicide, I was shocked. Mm. I mean, absolutely. As you were, I'm sure yeah, too, yeah. but just because we're a Christian doesn't, mean we don't have to wrestle with the lies of the world around us in the, in the understanding that, uh, and life is hard. It is. <laughs> and the manner of your death does not determine your destiny and eternity. Yeah. That's the number one question I get. Right. Yeah. Although when you get that question, John, I'm sure you're concerned when people ask it because you know, it's almost like you don't want to answer it. Like if I kill myself, am oh. I going to go to hell? Right? You're like, whoa. So it's <laughs> Wait, got, why yeah. are you asking that? Right? It's, well, it's also yeah. so. So there's two things. One, why are you asking? It? I'm concerned for you. When I start my presentation, I've started. What I do is I, I I pull out of my notes. I pull in front of the podium, and I say, everybody, I want you to look at me. I'm here because I love you. And, and I mean that, um, and, and it's not because I know you, I don't know you, mm-hmm. but you're made in the image of God and I love you just because of that. And, and I, I think that's a really important place to start because then when you start talking about these hard issues, when somebody stands up and says, can a Christian die by suicide? I want to know, what are you thinking? Because my, one of my main concerns in this whole talk is I don't ever want to be heard as giving permission mm-hmm. for somebody to go home mm-hmm. and die by suicide. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very clear on that. So I'll, I'll, I preach a, a lavish grace, you know, just like Paul does in Romans, mm-hmm. you know, Romans three through six, mm-hmm. uh, a grace that, that covers all sin, right? There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. nothing. Um, and, and I, and I lead people through this idea that, that, that we're not, we don't live according to a set rule of standards. It's not about that. It's not about living the perfect life. Christ has already lived that life right. for us. However, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean uh, because God's grace is so amazing, it doesn't 
excuse us to go pursue sin ever. Now, Paul addressed this in five and six, Romans five and six, right? He's preaching this to the Romans and the Romans say, hey, should we go on sinning all the more so that grace may abound? And Paul says, may it never be. Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. We don't ever pursue sin. And that's actually one of the things, honestly, Frank, that, that like is the hardest thing of the whole talk because I really don't ever want a, a young person or a leader or anybody mm-hmm. hear me say, oh, wait, if I just go home and kill myself, I'll go to glory. Well, it might be true, it's not the right answer. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the right way to do it. Yeah, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And that's a huge point, too. Mm-hmm. Um, our friends, Brett Kunkel, in his book with John Stone Street um, on culture, mm-hmm. he says, uh, don't confuse the moment with the story. And I love that saying. And Paul does this, too. Paul says, um, these are but momentary light afflictions, right. producing us eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Mm-hmm. Right. So Paul's saying, this too shall pass. The moment you find yourself in isn't definitive of your entire life, especially on a divine timeline. Mm. So, so like these, it will pass. This too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Now that's completely unhelpful when I'm in the middle right, of, sure. but there's also something going on there with Paul. He's saying that if, when we persevere through our struggles, something's going to be produced in us that otherwise wouldn't be there. So, so while God might maybe allowing us to experience, and I'm talking significant struggles. I'm not, these aren't, some of these kids are going through things that I can't even, I can't even uh, imagine. I, things I can't even, I can't even get myself to say out loud mm-hmm. without crying because of how traumatic mm-hmm. some of these kids' situations are. And, um, but even those extreme situations are momentary. And when we focus on, on Christ and we focus on the hope of the cross and we focus on the glory that awaits us, somehow, it's at least my prayer, somehow our struggles, no matter how dire, how severe, are, um, are livable. You've revealed some of the points you make in this talk, and obviously we can't go through an entire hour talk here, but give us a couple other highlights for people listening from the talk that you think might be helpful. Oh, sure. Um, First one would be that uh, the Bible speaks about suicide. We have clear examples in the Old Testament and New Testament of uh, men who died by suicide. Um, Saul, mm-hmm. Saul's armor bearer. Um, the famous one is Judas. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those lives, why I bring them up in my talk is because their lives were characterized by at least the moment they found themselves in uh, overwhelming sense of loss, guilt, or shame. Um, there are also examples in the Bible, New and Old Testament, where men faced those same types of trials, loss, guilt, shame, got to the point of wanting to die and said no. So I bring up Solomon in my talk, vanity of vanity, all is vanity, mm-hmm. right? Solomon, if you read the, the, his, his, this is the letter that the, this is the king of Israel, right? right. David and Bathsheba, his son, he had everything. And uh, he found himself at the, towards the end of his life, having squandered a lot of his life on, on the things that some of us squander our life on, sex, money, fame, you know, uh, power. Uh, he starts his book, Vanity of Vanities, all is vanity. Life's meaningless. He goes on to say that life is, uh, is, uh, is like striving after the wind. Mm. You're constantly grasping for something and it's not there. 
but then he ends his book by saying, and I don't have the verses in front of me, so I don't have them memorized, but you know, when we focus on God and, and, and following God's prescription for our life, hope is restored. I bring up Elijah, uh, Elijah with the mm-hmm. J. Elijah, same thing, a raining fire down in, in 1 Kings uh, 18, fire down on the altars of Baal, man. This is like so crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a true story of reality, right? This sure. really happened in history. Could you imagine being yeah, that Carmel. guy? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's up yeah. on Mount Carmel, and then yeah. Israel's joining in this idol worship, and idols always break the, uh, break the hearts of their worshipers. They're calling out to these false gods. They're not answering back. He goes up there. He's like, yo, uh, you guys want to see the true and living God and the power that's available to you? Lord, rain fire down on these altars, and it happens. Then a chapter later, he's running from the queen. Sure, running from Jezebel. Hi- yeah. Hiding under a tree. Yeah. You know, and he, and he prays that God would just take his life. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I bring up um, Jonah. Jonah, I was going to say, same thing. Yeah. Same thing. And this guy, I mean, anyways, I mean, when he gets restored, he yeah. preaches revival. Right. And I mean, it's like, we're in Minneapolis right now, and there's a lot of issues here in Minneapolis. I mean, this is like me and Frank, you going out on the street, preaching the gospel, and having all of Minneapolis repent. And that's what happens when we say no, mm. when we say no to the lies mm-hmm. and then we press on. And that's why I bring these guys up. And then I also bring up Paul, mm. where if you if you read first Corinthians through first Corinthians, Paul says that that uh, that because of his afflictions, they, he just wishes it would end, you know, and, and it's a verse that we we oftentimes miss. But he, he wrestles. Right. You know, he, we know that uh, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has this constant. I mean, this guy is struggling. But all of these examples in them is the idea. And this is what I want people to take away is when we press on through our trials, through our struggles, God will lift you up just like he did Elijah. He will dust you off. He will clothe you. He will feed you and he will use you. He's not done working with you, especially if you're a, if you're a student, if you're a young one, God is, is going to use you in, in, uh, he's going to use you for your own life. He's going to use you in the life of somebody else. Um, also if I'm going to give one more principle to take away, the most important thing that I could possibly stress is that we need to be talking to each other about this. Yes. Um, the, the, if you're wrestling with suicide right now and you're listening to this, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. Like we need to understand that. Like I know, I know this for a fact because I go city to city to city for four years now and these rooms are packed. 600 students in a room. What are some of the questions that you, I mean, John, you, you do a presentation for an hour, then you have two hours of questions oh. until you got to do another presentation, then you have another two hours. Of, what are some of the questions or um, stories that these young people have brought you that sure. might help other people listening or watching right now? So uh, Minneapolis, a couple years back, I had a young girl after the presentation. This is how a lot of them start. She comes up and she's tears. I mean, she's hysterically crying. She says, thank you. I'm so glad I came to this presentation. I asked why. She said, because I was going to kill myself tomorrow. Mm. And I said, what? She said, I have uh, enough pills. Um, I've done my research. My parents are going to go to church. I was going to be home alone. And I was just going to go to sleep. I didn't want to live anymore. But she, she said, I realized because of this talk, I have hope. God's not done with me. He will use me. I need to press on. And I ended up getting her plugged into not the church youth group at that church, but a local church for two years running. uh, She would come to my talks and I'd see her and I could, I mean, the improvements were just like, I mean, she was glowing. You know, the first year I saw her, she was literally dead. You could see the death in her eyes. Like she she was lifeless. And then she just, like, she blossomed in this beautiful young woman. And now this year, I was, like, kind of scanning for her. I was like, oh, man, I hope she comes because I'd really like to, to see her. 
well, she wasn't there because she started going to college in New York and she had a friend come with this like explicit instruction to go to this talk and talk to me to make sure that he, uh, she told me, uh, he told me that she said hi, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. And I've, I mean, story after story like this and why I bring them up, this has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the presentation. It has to do with where these students are at and they need to hear that there's hope. Mm -hmm. And there's a hope that has nothing to do with you and your effort. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything. You just have to accept the free gift of grace mm -hmm. in Christ and constantly lean into him. You know, my grace is sufficient for you mm -hmm. is the promise of God. You know, it's, it's when and Paul says, I love Paul. Like when he, he says, when you're weak, it's when you're strong. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be weak with one another. Some of the students, I mean, wrestling with uh, man forgiveness, there's uh, their legalism is a huge issue in our culture. Mm. You know, they, they think they have to live up to this standard. God could right. never forgive me. You know, I've been sleeping with my girlfriend for mm -hmm. five years. Mm -hmm. God's not going to forgive that. Mm -hmm. No, he already has. Right, sure. He already has. That, that, that mm -hmm. sin has been paid for yeah. by the blood of Christ. Yeah, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, so and, and the, it's nothing profound, Frank. I don't have, I'm not that smart, you know, but it's just they need to hear, they need to hear who they are, children of God. Uh, loved without exception. Uh, they need to hear that they can actually live that out. They don't need to turn to things to make them happy. Their identity is in Christ. And that's what's going to bring you ultimate fulfillment and joy, not just in this life, mm -hmm. but forever, mm. forever and ever, which is kind of cool. And did you have anyone come up to you with a current problem that they didn't see a way out and you could give them some insight or get them plugged yeah. in somewhere. What would be an example of that? The, the last conversation I had was with a, a, a two sisters, um, 18 and 16. The 16 year old had just gotten out of the hospital for suicide attempt. Her family was a mess. Uh, they had, it was six kids altogether, uh, five girls, one boy. They were the two oldest in the family. The father had just kicked them all out of the house, including the mom. He had been, he's a, uh, he was, he was sleeping around with a lot of women. Mm -hmm. Um, her church that they were going to sided with the father. Oh, you're kidding. Turned the back on the family. Wow. Uh, she had, she was just in the hospital for dying, trying to die by suicide. The father came and saw her and said to her, according to both sisters. Now keep in mind, like, I don't know. This is one, this is perception. One perspective, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I trust this. Right. The father came to her when she was in the hospital and said, either stop faking or just kill yourself already. Just kill yourself. And as a dad of four daughters, mm. I can't imagine saying that mm. to, my, to my kid. And she saw no way out. Well, she, she did see a way out. The way out was, I'm, I want to I wanna die. I just want to die. Nobody mm -hmm. loves me. My, my church has turned its back mm -hmm. on me. Mm -hmm. um, even her and her sister, they joked, but they had like hard relationship, you know? And I, I sat there literally for an hour trying to talk to them, trying to find, it's always, you need to find somebody to talk to, mm -hmm. not a peer. Right. You know, you need to find a, a pastor, a, 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 a parent, a counselor, something. Yeah. And, um, we went through everybody in this girl and she just felt abandoned. And this is so cool. This is not me. This is just God. She, we were sitting there talking and the conference was finishing up. Somebody came in the back door of this chapel where we were, a big chapel. And she sees, she lays eyes on this girl I'm talking to and just weeps, starts breaking down, shaking. 
I didn't know what happened to you. I didn't know what happened to you. Well, cause she was with me talking. So her group lost track of her. This girl came in obviously expressing like, I love you. Oh my gosh. Like mm -hmm. I care for you. And I asked her that girl, they talked and she's like, Oh no, I'm here. I'm fine. And then they left. And I was like, who's that? Oh, that's our, that's our, my mom's best friend's daughter. We're staying with them. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, there's, that's who you're going to talk to tonight. Mm -hmm. You're going to go back to this house and you need to talk to your best friend's mom. You can just sit down. You just need to say you're hurting and you need some help. Right. You know, and that's the, that's the key. It's always, and unfortunately in these situations, we're talking to people who are hurting and, and they're already hurting, but you have to ask them to do another hard thing, which is go talk to somebody, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Um, I did this weekend. I had a, a, a young man crying, <laughs> which is odd. You know, normally the guys want to be tough. Sure. A uh, 17 year old man, his girlfriends that they've been dating for three years was, uh, had told him that if they break up, she, she'll kill herself. And she's been saying that for years, you know, and this is something I get all the time. And so I said to him, it's time to, it's time to break up. Like you need this, this relationship needs to end like now, mm -hmm. you know, cause this is abusive. It's right. manipulative. This is not love. Right. This is not good. You need to talk to a parent, a teacher, somebody and have them step in. You know, you can't handle this and, yourself and someone to watch her too. and somebody to watch her. Yeah. yeah not right. just break up, but, yeah, yeah. but this isn't a responsibility. You are not responsible for her life. Right. You know, so you need to get somebody else involved that can really help her, which is comes in the way of counseling normally. So there's just a sampling, I mean, of stuff that, that we how, hear. How much of this, John, do you think is, or some of it, not all of it, but how much of this is related to what some might call idolatry in the modern sense, whereby we put something ahead of God on our priority list. We think if we had this, this would make me happy. If I had this girlfriend Absolutely. or this boyfriend or this job or this money or this recognition, if I could only get there, then I would be happy. And then some of them get there and it's empty. It's empty. Yeah. So how much of that is going on in A the lot. psyche here? A lot. So yeah. when I started my research, I used to think like, oh, well, most people are going to have like mental illnesses and stuff right, like that. Right. 54% uh, of people who die by suicide have never been previously diagnosed with a mental illness. I'm not saying they didn't have one. Mm -hmm. They haven't been diagnosed. There's something else going on. At the same time, uh, we live in a time when we understand uh, how the brain works mm -hmm. better than any other time in history. We also understand how to treat things better. So we should see rates plummeting. Instead, we're seeing rates skyrocket of suicide. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Well, it's that. It's idolatry. You know, we all, we all worship something, mm. you know, where are we placing our hope? And especially now you, you start factoring in online community, social media, mm. you and me, right? We grew up in the same kind of neck of the woods, uh, like on the East coast, like we were direct. I mean, we, we got bullied, we got picked on, sure. uh, we fought people like yeah. that's how life was, but like it would happen at school and then you come home. It's over. It's over. Yeah, for not, nothing on social media. There was for no a couple hours media. at least. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. maybe, in, and, or, or say yeah. something really embarrassing or stupid happens at school. Yeah. You're embarrassed for like a month mm -hmm. and it's gone. Yeah. Now it's there forever. Uh -huh. You know, kids are taking pictures. I mean, look what happens on, on social media. Everybody, if there's a fight, people aren't breaking it up. They're trying to film it. If there's uh, something that's embarrassing that happened to a young woman, like they're, they're going to take pictures and film it and throw it online, go live with it. 
you know, because what we're doing is replacing our worth. These people are placing their worth oftentimes in their social media accounts. Like how many likes a post gets, right. how, how their instance doing, yeah. how, how uh, yeah, can I be a social media influencer? Right, right. And in the meantime, what they're doing is they're destroying other people's lives, but also they're putting their hope in that. And when that goes away, cause it will go away, right? The, there's always the next best thing. Where are you going to turn? You know, especially when you're, you're causing strife in all these people's lives. Um, that only adds ultimately, I think to your own guilt as well. You know, we all have a conscience. Sure. So you've got four daughters. Oldest is 12. Yeah. What is your advice to parents who are bringing up children in this world of social media, whereby they all want to be on social media, they all want yeah. to have a phone, they all want to interact with their friends, they all want to live in this virtual reality, but there are a lot of dangers to it. What do yeah. you do if you're a parent, John? Uh, Frank, nobody likes this answer, man. Yeah. My kids will not be on social media. Unless they want to sneak it, yeah. which I'll, I'll, we'll handle that when we have it. They, my oldest is 12, so I haven't had to like really fight the fight yet, yeah. but I'm willing to fight this fight. Okay. I don't see much redeeming on social uh -huh. media. Uh, certainly as we move forward and, and social media outlets start to really start to crunch down on our, our message, anything that seems to be true, be uh, true and beautiful and good seems to be out the window, right? Uh, so now my kids are, they, they don't. They don't have access to social media. I'll let them use, uh, they'll watch YouTube uh, on my account. Mm -hmm. That's has all the parental stuff up and they only have access to the channels I let them have access to. Um, and so I'm, and, and, I, and I talk to my kids. I talk to them about this stuff. It's not like I'm hiding it. And it's not like I'm just, it, it's not heavy handed. You may not have a phone. I discuss with my, my 12 year old, here are the dangers of a phone because you know what? She still goes to school. A Christian school, but these kids still have phones, sure. so it's going to be in their face. So I want to talk to them about it, educate them. I don't hold back, and and especially the issue of suicide. Like they know what I speak on, so I'll have this conversation, not in like a weird. It's not all we talk about, but I'll make sure they're okay. How you know with with what they're thinking. So we monitor them. You know, we parent them, and we're strict. Mm. You know, some some say we're uh, we, oh man, what is it, shelter them too yeah, much? Yeah. Well, I don't understand the, the value, like your kids need experiences. I don't know. I don't know how many experiences my 12 year old needs to have in this world. You know, she does, but I want her to experience falling off her bike. And you know, those are the hard experiences, you know, and not making the sports team. Like if you want a kid to have hard experiences, they don't need to be fumbling themselves into social media circles that are degrading and, and projecting, especially on young women, horrible mm -hmm. uh, body image messages and stuff like this. So you're strict in the sense that you're trying to protect them, but you're not saying that their behavior is their salvation. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, no. They know what grace is. In fact, I've heard you say this, that you have these four daughters and you point out to them every night yeah. something. Tell, tell, tell our audience about oh, that. Man, this is, this is actually hard for me to say because it's like it's so real. So every night when I talk my girls in, I pray for them and I bless them, each individually. And, uh, and I'll say... Uh, you're a real life princess, each one individually. And they'll say, I know daddy. And I'll say, why are you a real life princess? And they say, because I'm a daughter of the true king. And I've been doing it since the day they've been born. And I'll do it until the day they move out of my house. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a reminder that uh, even my kids aren't my own, mm -hmm. right? We are not our own. My kids are God's children. And I'm, I'm, entrusted with raising them in a way that's honoring and glorifying him. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's what I'm teaching my children how to do. And part of that is protecting them. Um, 
not heavy handed. My kids, my kids know that there's nothing, nothing that can, they could ever do to lose my love mm-hmm. or the love of their heavenly father. Uh, they've been purchased bought at the price. There's no returns on the economy of God. This is amazing stuff. Like when you start, like this is the mm-hmm. true story of reality. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not that great of a person yet. I know that God loves me no matter what. So, yeah. Well, that's great. You're instilling in them that their value is based in their, the fact that they're made in the image of God, not based on their looks or their intelligence or their behavior or, or anything else that they may be enticed by. That's right. uh, That the world may put at the very top of its priority list, sex, money, and power, the big three that John talks about in first John two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. That's right. Those are the things that can get us entangled in um, situations where we think, I didn't get what I wanted, and now I have nothing to live for. I'm hopeless. Yeah. And it, it, even Christians can get entangled in yes, these things. Yes. That's why community is so important. That's right. why the church is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, brothers and sisters holding each other accountable, always pointing each other uh, through the cross to glory and reminding each other of who we are. Oftentimes I feel like Christians feel like, oh, well, I don't need to hear the gospel. I'm already saved. Mm. Man, I need to hear the gospel every single day. The gospel is not just fire insurance. That's right. Right. It's it's a whole way of life. It's our identity. That's right. It is. Well, John, how how can people, I know probably people watching or listening right now are going, I really like to see this talk. Sure. How can they see it? I know they can go to a reality conference, but not everybody is close to a reality. Is is it online somewhere? How can? Yeah. So actually in... February, mm-hmm. if you go to realityapologetics.com mm-hmm. and look at the dates, we'll be live streaming the reality conference. If you Google, just Googled my name, mm-hmm. there are a number of churches that I've given this at that have posted it. Spell the name. Spell the name. Your name. Oh, oh yeah. uh, so the last name is spelt no yes. N-O-Y-E-S. No yes. Okay. John, J-O-N. Yeah. All right. Jonathan Noyes, originally from Boston, can you tell? Yeah, I know. <laughs> man, I've been trying to shake that for 40 years. No, it's good, man. There's a charm to it. And uh, working with Stand to Reason now. So if yes, they want to learn more, they go to str.org. That's right, str.org. Um, and you can see our blogs. I've written a ton on suicide there. Okay. So a lot of my talk you could read in blog format. Right. So without hearing it, you'll be able to at least read it. This is a critical subject, ladies yes. and gentlemen. And if you're watching or listening right now, you need to talk to your young person about this, even if you don't suspect there's any issue. Yeah. Uh, one thing you never want to do is to learn there was an issue after the fact. That's right. So. And one way to, and that's, I know you we're trying to wrap up, yeah. but one, one thing then to note is if you're nervous about somebody you love, whether it be a child, a friend, a parent, what you do is you ask the question, are you thinking about suicide? Hmm. Use the word. The word doesn't cause them to go. They used to be used to think if I say suicide, I won't put that thought in their mind. Research is showing that when we use the word, the chance of that person dying by suicide declines drastically. Wow. Just be direct. Be direct, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Love always protects. Love always rejoices in the truth, says Paul. That's right. You don't love people by enabling them, by ignoring things, by approving of things that they want to do that aren't healthy or good or right. You need to address it. Stand in the way of evil, ladies and gentlemen. Jonathan, thanks for your work, man. Thank you. All right, God bless. See you guys here next week, Lord willing, on the bonus podcast for I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist.